This is Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. We are located at 100 North Lake Avenue. Our Sunday morning services start at 1045 a.m. Sunday school is at 930 a.m. You can find out more information about First Baptist Church at fbcap.net. You're listening to our current Sunday morning series, Who Are We? Bible, if you will. We had finished up a couple of weeks ago uh, a series of the book of Colossians, and so I may have spoiled you there for those several weeks you were able to kind of stay put. Next several weeks, we're going to be looking at passages of Scripture as we walk through, and I want to be very clear and careful because if you're visiting with us today and you, and you're, you don't have a Baptist background, there are going to be more people in heaven than just Baptists, Okay. Are we good with that? All right. I come from a, a strong Methodist Presbyterian background, and I'm pretty sure that uh, my, my family from those churches are going to be waiting on me when I get to glory. But as a Baptist pastor and, and as a Baptist church, we're going to be spending the next several weeks of looking at what makes Baptist unique, what makes us different. I do think it is important where you go to church and why you go to church. So just to go to church because, hey, we like the pastor dude, or we like the singing, and we like the stuff they offer our kids, and the building's neat, and uh, whatever reason, that may be okay, but we need to know what that church believes. We need to know what they're about. We need to know their purpose. We need to know their strategy. Church is not just about an emotion and how we feel and what we like. That, that can play into it. We, we want to like church. But more than that, it is what they stand for. What, how do they view Scripture? Uh, what does it mean to be Baptist? When I pastored in Indiana and spent time in Minnesota, you start talking about Baptist as one thing, but you throw Southern Baptist in front of it, it created a whole other opportunity to explain who we are, what we believe. I always say I'm not Baptist because I was just raised that way and this is just who we are. I am a Baptist pastor because I believe from Baptist doctrine it is true and sound to Scripture and I'm great with that and I believe that and, and that is the reason why I am a Baptist pastor. I thought about it this morning and, and I want to open up every one of our, our times in God's Word as we look at some of the distinctiveness of being Baptist, it's kind of some Baptist fun facts. I don't want to spend a lot of time with this, but I enjoyed last week talking about the history of the Baptist church and how we got our start and many, many years ago. And some of you like that. Some of you just neutral to it. Uh, but we have a long history, and there's a lot of history that we as Baptists and how we came over into America and settled the north and the south and, and how we became to be who we are. I want to spend just a few moments looking at some things. And numbers are not everything, but numbers do help us understand who we are, where we are, what we're doing. I look at it this way. Numbers are not the only thing, but numbers are important. When someone comes to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that's a one. That's a, I like that one. I like two, three, four, five, six as well. But that shouldn't drive us in what we're doing when we think about numbers. But here's some numbers, all right? We know that the Southern Baptist Convention was started in 1845 in Augusta, Georgia. That is a long time ago. Uh, and God has blessed the denomination. Now, we're a denomination, but we're not a typical denomination. But you've got to come back in a couple of weeks to understand that. 
Uh, Southern Baptists are belong to a denomination, but every church is their own church. We don't have like, I guess I could be voted in as John the Baptist. It would fit, and I could be John the Baptist, and, and I could govern the Southern Baptist Convention as like a bishop, pope, authority, apostle. Well, that would be kind of weird. Uh, so we have a denomination, and we all come together voluntarily, and each church is their own thing. And that's, that is really one of the things I love about being Southern Baptist. The good part of that is, is that we are being led by the Spirit and we affirm the Baptist faith and message, but there's freedom to do to the church the way we feel that we need to be doing church. One of the discouraging things about that is you could have 10 Southern Baptist churches in a town and all 10 can have different types of worship, different types of leadership, different types of things that they gravitate to. That bothers some people. To me, I'm okay with it because we all fall up under the the doctrinal teachings of the Baptist faith and message, but there's freedom there to be the church God is calling us to be. There's not a a cookie-cutter Southern Baptist church that someone from the top down is dictating how we do life. Now, this number is a number that we love to talk about, but it's kind of embarrassing. There's 15,500,000 Southern Baptists. Now, doesn't that sound great? We don't know where half of them are. We love saying it's 15,500,000. And that, that is numbers are people and people are numbers and that is important. But I, I guarantee you I would like to, to, to market with the, the milk company. And on one side we have the missing child. The other side could be the missing Baptist. And we could just find these people. We love them and we want them to be part of our churches. But when you think about the Southern Baptist Convention, it is the, longest, the, the largest Protestant denomination Uh, That which is not Protestant is Roman Catholic, so we're the largest Protestant denomination uh, in the world. We have 46,500 churches. So if you do the numbers and divide it by the churches, each church of those 46,000 churches, they have on roll about 300 people. Well, you know as well as I do that all 300 people that are on roll are never going to be at church at the same day, not even on Easter and Christmas. And so if you just begin, to, and this is encouraging, think about it. If you look at that and you just kind of divide it out, they say that the typical church, the Southern Baptist Church, if you were to average it out, the typical Southern Baptist Church runs about 100 in worship. Now that's encouraging to me, and I say that for this, because I think everybody thinks that the large church is the way to go. That all, you know, I've pastored a church of, I, the, the first church I pastored, we doubled in two weeks. And I called Lifeway, and I said, you need to do a Bible study on me. We doubled in two weeks. And, you know, what did you do? We went from 5 to 10 when my family joined. <laughs> and so, I mean, I literally, there, there are many days that, that when, when I'm, I'm serious, there are many days that I, I'll sit there and be counting the choir just because I, I'm just, I do stuff like that. And I remember thinking several times, that would have been my congregation, 30-something people. And we love the Lord and we reached our community for Christ. We did great things. But if you're not careful, you think, oh, we're just small. And God, the typical Southern Baptist church runs about 100 in worship. Uh, yes, there are some large churches, but that's encouraging. To me, uh, to me that is the, the backbone of a church, a, a typical church reaching a community. It, it, it is penetrating the community with the gospel. That's what I said last week. You remember saying last week that churches is not necessarily about our preference. It is about uh, belonging to a church in your community. Now, 
A lot of times when I say something, it gets taken the wrong way. So somebody asked me, they said, well, you, you said we need to belong to a church in our community. And I think that's important because we're here to invest in our community. Let me back up a little bit. If you live in Highlands County, you can come to our church. They say, well, I live in Sibring. Do I know you need to... You need to come here. All right. If you live in Highlands County, this is part of our community. But the point is that churches are there to impact their community as the body of Christ. So a typical church is about 100 people across the United States. We have 42 state conventions. Our convention is divided up into regions and states. We have 4,800 International Mission Board missionaries. We're going to get to this in a few weeks in greater detail. I asked the deacons, I said, Brother Deacons, can I do the offertory prayer? I said, I'd love for you to close our service out. I want you to come and pray over the congregation. I want to do the offertory prayer. I selfishly want to do that. It's one of those things I call pastoral privilege. I wanted to do it. I love to pray over the offering. Do you realize that every dollar that you put in that offering plate, yes, we, we do ministry here. Yes, we got to keep the lights on. We pay our staff. There are things that we have to do. But whether that child at Children's Church puts a quarter in that plate, part of everything we give goes to the missionary of the Southern Baptist Convention. Our missionaries do not raise support. We support them and we tell them, you stay on the field. There's a screening process. There's an examination process. Every one of our missionaries are sent out by a Southern Baptist church. They are affirmed. They are examined. They are equipped. But every dollar we take up goes to the International Mission Board. And we have 4,800 missionaries to the ends of the earth in in multiple cities. Some Some of our missionaries are not even missionaries they're in third world countries as another person as a as a a teacher as a businessman under the under the 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 guise of a professional worker but they're southern baptist missionaries we have about the same number of missionaries in the united states that serve on our universities and our colleges that serve in our military now the great thing about the military is we do not pay the military chaplain's salary the military does that and i will stand corrected I said that only Marines know their birthday. Today is the 69th birthday of the United States Air Force. 18 September 1947. Before I walked out of this room last Sunday, I had notes of when the Air Force birthday is. Now, I always like to pick on the Army. Nobody knows when the Army. The Army's just always been around. The Army came over on on the Mayflower. It's always been around. The Army and the Navy and the Marine Corps are all about 240 years old, but I thought that was impressive. 18 September, 1947, your Air Force came alive. That was 69 uh, years ago. So our chaplains serve in in the military, but they're paid by the military, but they have to be affirmed and sent by a Southern Baptist church. If I get a call and somebody says, hey, we got... Billy Bob is just wants, he wants to, he's got his seminary, he wants to be a chaplain. Is he out of your church? I either say yes or no. And if he does not have a Southern Baptist church associated with that he's serving in and is being sent out, he, he cannot be commissioned as a Southern Baptist chaplain in our military. Interesting things. Enough of that. Let's go to the Word of God. The Southern Baptist fun fact of the day. What is it that makes us different? Like I said, you've got Methodist, you've got Presbyterian, you've got Catholic, you've got Lutheran, you've got Baptist. And people ask me, if there's one gospel and one Jesus and one scripture, why are there so many different churches? And I'll tell you this, because we're involved with it. We can mess up anything, can we not? 
If you're visiting with us today and you're looking for a perfect church, it isn't going to be that way. You know, there's no perfect church because we're involved with the process. Jesus knows that. That's why we have grace and mercy. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. And so I wish I had an answer. If there's one Bible and one gospel and one Christ and one God and one faith and one all this, why are there so many different ways to do it? And I just tell people because we are involved with the process. And that's just the only way to look at it. It's not making light of it. It's just not, you know, I can, you know, I could get in a room full of Methodists and Pentecostals and Episcopalians and all this, and I can argue till I'm blue in the face of how when we all get to heaven, we're all going to be Baptists, but it won't matter. You know, and it's, just, it's silly because it won't matter. Because when we all get to heaven, and I tell people, all the debates we have this side of heaven over stuff, when we get to heaven, it won't even matter. It's not like we're going to get to heaven and I'm going to tell Jesus, tell them. Tell them what they're wrong. No, we won't care. It won't matter. We're going to be perfect, and we're going to be with Christ, and all the stuff that we worried about and fretted about is going to mean nothing. But I don't know why we have so many different ways of doing things other than we're involved with the process. And like I said last week, first two chapters of the Bible, everything was going great. It didn't take me three chapters for us to mess it up. That's why we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what our hope is in. But my goal is this, be proud of who you are, find a church you're proud of who you are in, and serve the Lord, love the word, love the gospel, love your church, love what your church stands for, get behind the church, and let's go make a difference with the gospel. But I love talking about Baptists and Protestants and other things because I'm telling you, and several people commented, they never thought about it this way, men that said the things that I'm teaching that were important were willing to give their life because they believed it was true. When the Protestant Reformation began, it was over. What does the Bible teach about the gospel? And the Baptist church came out of that in the 1600s, and men were willing to fight for this and die for this. So Baptist Distinctive, I don't know what number we want. I think it's Baptist Distinctive 2. We spent a lot of time on the Bible last week, which is good. Baptists historically have believed and should believe in believers' baptism. Now go back to the Reformation. Go back in the 1600s. Why was that a big deal? Martin Luther, the, 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 the father of the Lutheran church, was sitting up in the, in the monastery and he was looking at my grace through faith, by grace through faith, by grace through faith you are saved. And they began to realize you're not saved because of who you are or what you belong to. You're not, you're not baptizing children. You're not confirming children saying, okay, you're saved because you're baptized. What began to happen was there's a, such a thing called a believer's baptism that there's something that you do after you have done something. Take your Bible, if you will. If you don't believe me, believe the Word of God. Matthew chapter 28. A familiar passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 28. Beginning in verse 19. We'll just jump in there in verse 19 for the sake of time. The Great Commission, Jesus Christ. It's pretty important that's the last thing Christ says to us. I mean, to me, that's important. He's telling the disciples, this is what it's about. We had a church council meeting, a three-hour church council meeting, great meeting this past week, and I just asked our church council, what's our mission? We're going to come up with a new mission this year. We're going to have a great new mission. And I smiled when I said it. What's our mission? Make disciples. What's the mission of the early church? Make disciples. 20 years from now, what's our mission? 
make disciples. Why? Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore. Go means you're doing something. I would tell people they're, they're going out as a group. They're going out from the church to people. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples. A saved person learning to live on the Lordship of Jesus Christ is a disciple. They've made a profession of faith by repentance and faith. They have received the gospel. They are growing in the gospel. They are living that gospel out. Go and make disciples. And notice what it says. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things. And lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. So we see very clearly in in Scripture, baptism is significant. Baptism is important. That word baptizo, and, and you know, my grandmother's Methodist, bless her heart. We had this talk a hundred times. She is now with the Lord. She did live to be a hundred, hundred years, seven months. And I used to always cut up with her. You're going to go to sleep one day, and I'm going to baptize you by immersion. Now, she was not baptized by immersion. She was a Methodist. Do you think she's in heaven? If she's repented of her sin and placed her faith in Jesus Christ, she's it. But I would also say this. Jesus says, go and make disciples, then baptize them. I'll be the first one to say that baptism does not save you. But I think it's very, and we understand this though, it is very significant. It is very important. It it is something that we do. I think the most important thing about baptism and the reason why we do it here, the reason why we always try to do it in a church, we are coming before the church and we are saying, I am redeemed. I am blood-bought child of God and by my profession of faith, I now baptize you, my brother. I always get kind of teary-eyed when I say brother or sister. Because they're my brother and sister. I am my brother, my sister. I now baptize you. That person is saying, I am a child of God. I am part of this body. I have repented of my sin. Did I ever tell you about the first charismatic Baptist I baptized as a pastor? He was the guy that had heard it so often, but he thought through it forever. And the wife kept saying, he just won't make a decision. I said, well, that's just... You just have to keep preaching and keep praying. I went over to his house. He had a couple of Bibles opened up. He was looking at the Bible. I guess when you're really interested, you have to open up more than one Bible. And I sat there, and we talked, and I talked with him. I didn't beg or plead. I said, here is the gospel. Here's what you need to do. He came to me next Sunday. I have asked Christ into my life. And I want to be baptized and be part of this church. I said, you got it. The next week we scheduled it. First time it's ever happened to me. I took that young man. I took Lance under the water. He came up shouting. Scared us to death. Now, we don't get very excited in here. But the church I was serving at the time, we had to check the pulse every now and then to make sure they were just breathing. He came up out of that water and went to shouting. And then the next Sunday, he said, I want to get involved. Do you mind if I stand at the door and, and hand out bulletins? And he had found somewhere. I tell everybody, it almost looked like something a rapper would have on. He came in there and had a cross about that big around his, his, his thing. And I thought, you know what? I wonder how many people walk by and go, we don't do that. When you've just been born again, you do that. He was, boy, he had that thing. He said, I am a, I am a believer. I have been baptized. 
And I thought, that's it. Not baptized because it's a requirement. You're not bad. You understand that Jesus Christ died. He, he lived. He died. He rose again. Romans 6. That baptism signifies the death, burial, and resurrection in Jesus Christ. And it signifies that that has happened to us. And we want people to know it. That's what baptism is. That's why it's so important that we understand that baptism is not something that we do way back here. And, and you, know, you know, when we're a child, it's something you do whenever there's a point and a time that you've repented of your sins and you've placed your faith in Christ. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Acts chapter 2. Verse 38, the Holy Spirit's come upon the church, the church is growing, the, uh, God's doing things, people are getting saved. Acts chapter 2, 38, and Peter said to them, repent, and what? So it, it's, it's something that takes place here, then there's something you do there. How easy was it to identify as a Christian in Acts chapter 2? It wasn't easy at all. How easy is it to identify as a Christian in a Muslim world right now? When when you go into a Muslim world, you go to Korea and China and you go to these areas, you want to talk about something meaning something? You talk about baptism to somebody over there because they say, I am making a profession of faith in Christ and I have got to come out of it. And I'm coming out of a lifestyle that being a Christian is not acceptable. In our culture, it's almost like we want it to happen. You know, our family's wanting it to happen. In that culture, in that lost pagan culture, they don't want it to happen. And to see people that are willing to come before believers and be baptized and identify with Christ. You want to talk about baptism service, those would be baptism services. I was in China in just a remote, I mean, it's one of those places, if, if you'd have left me there, I don't even know if I'd know what continent I was on. And they, the, one of the, here, here was kind of neat, the, there's two things they wanted to show us. They said, we're going to the church. Okay, how long is that going to take? A couple hours. You get that? We're going to church, and we, where we meet is a couple hours away, and it's centrally located, so everybody has a couple hours. That got me. Then he said, wait till we see where we're baptized. And outside from the church was the little place that you identified with Christ. And I think, gosh, you know, there's a mission trip I want to go on. You know, let me know when the next baptism service is. That's what I want to see. Coming out of that world and that culture where you know that people are going to hate you for the gospel and what you're identifying with Christ, you're denying your lineage and your heritage, but you're confessing Christ before your people that you're born again. That's what baptism is. Repent and be baptized. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. You know the story of Philip and the eunuch. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. The annual Lord said to Philip, Rise and go south. 
It's a sermon within a sermon. It's always been encouraging to me to see God stir the heart of a man to go somewhere for one person. Isn't that incredible? Revival was breaking out where Philip was and God stirred his heart and said, there's one person I want you to leave all this for as a eunuch. And he go and he went to the chariot and, and, and so the, the Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. God was stirring the man's heart. The man is looking to, to, to uh, based on that, he, he's looking, he's searching. Do you understand what you're reading? In verse 31, the man said, how can I unless someone guides me? There's a lot of truth to that. God is stirring the heart. We're proclaiming the gospel. God is stirring the heart. We're, God and man coming together, working together for the sake of the gospel. And he takes them through the passage and they're reading. And the eunuch said to Philip, verse 34, On whom I ask you, does the prophet say this is, about himself or someone else? Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. What's Isaiah about? Jesus. What's Genesis about? Jesus. All of Scripture points to the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of the old covenant points to the new covenant. Deuteronomy 6 is not about Israel. Deuteronomy 6 is about the gospel. Train up your children in the gospel. Believe the gospel. They were going along the road. They came to some water and the eunuch said, See, here's water. So he had heard about it. That's what's unique about it. He had heard about baptism. He knew that baptism was something you did to identify as a Christ follower. He knew that. He had heard about that. What happened when he got his heart right? Let's find some water. Now, I don't think it's healthy to just, you know, if you're here today and you want to be baptized and we got the swimming pool in the back, I, I think there's more to it. I think we need to understand that he's not just getting baptized to be saved. He has become saved and understands the significance of baptism. And notice what it says. They were going along the road, they came to water. See, here it is water. What permits me being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water. Now, in light of being Baptist, I always remind everybody, they went down into it. Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Some of us take for granted that we're just Baptists, we just baptized. But you know, in 1600s, this was a huge deal. We baptize believers. There's a point and a time where someone, wherever that age is, makes a profession of faith. It's not because they're of the church or they've identify with the church or been sprinkled by the church it's not by works that they're saved there's a point and a time that they've called on the name of the lord and they've repented of their sin and that baptism is their public profession of faith and they are proclaiming to the church and proclaiming to the world i am a born again believer in jesus christ the first two baptists that we have in record um smith and and uh always to get the the, the last guy another guy's name is starts with an H you may know it they they got so burdened about this and they came out of the Anglican church and they realized we got to get baptized they had to baptize themselves now, isn't that funny can you I can imagine the dilemma well who's going to baptize me I mean the first person who's going to baptize so they just baptized each other that was a big deal I think it ought to be a big deal for us 
I don't take it lightly. I take it very seriously. I've, I've had young people come to me and say, I want to ask Jesus in my heart to be baptized. That's great, but what does it mean to ask Jesus in your heart? I'll always say, well, why do you want to be baptized? A lot of times people tell me, one told me, I can hold my nose on the water. That's important. But that's not the reason we're baptized. I had somebody tell me one time, I want to be baptized. Why? Because in Sunday school, every time somebody's baptized, they get a cake. I want a cake. So I graciously went back to the teacher and said, can we do something else other than baking cake? Because I don't, and and here's why I say that. Yes, I want to celebrate a child coming to faith, but I want that child to come to faith. You want to be able to proclaim the gospel. Let God work in their hearts. Let them come to faith in Christ. I'll tell you what I do is a parent will come to me and go, little Johnny and little Susie asking questions. I always say, here's the way I look at it. If they've called on the name of the Lord in repentance and faith and they're saved, I don't confirm it or bless it. It's not like they come to me and, yes, you are saved. So a lot of people say, well, I got to get them to the pastor so they get saved. No, if they've called on the name of the Lord and they've repented of this, they're talking to their parents, they understand it, they're sitting in Sunday school class, I feel like that wherever they are, they're in a process, they may already be saved. Wherever they are, I don't do it. I'll say, that's exciting, that's great. Man, that's awesome. You want to know more about things of the Lord? Here's some scripture verses. Here's some things. Come back to me next week. This is always funny because you can always tell when somebody really gets it. What happens when somebody really gets it? And I tell them to look at these scripture verses to come back and talk to me next week. They're waiting right there at the door. Pastor, 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 pastor. When can I be baptized? Because I, I, I know these things. This is what I've done. That's pretty exciting. I want them to know what they're doing because it's not their baptism that gets them into their heaven. It's their profession of faith that gets them into their heaven. And that baptism is that public profession of faith. Look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. If we know these things, what do we do? Baptism's important. We're Southern Baptists. We love to count baptisms now. We'll count a bat, you know, we're Southern Baptists, and I'm not making fun of us. I can because I am one. We love numbers. And so the question they tend to ask is how many, how many come? How much is your giving? Things you can tangibly count. Money, people, baptisms. So I always ask myself, if baptism is important, and we know it's important, it fits into the, the dynamics of a healthy and growing church. I've always said, how many attend our small group? I'll let you in a little pastor secret. If I step back, let's say I'm an outside consultant. I have no ties to this church. And somebody were to come in and say, here's all the data we have on our church. Would you say that we're healthy? Just on numbers. That doesn't say everything, but just as numbers. This is what I look at. I would look at. Sunday school numbers. Baptisms. Giving. Then Sunday morning numbers. If you're baptizing 50 a year and your Sunday school's not growing, where are those 50 people a year going if they've truly been born again? You know, if you do the math and you baptize 50 a year, and oh, 
Billy Bob Baptist Church has baptized 50 a year. Put them on the cover of a magazine. They're going to write for Reach Magazine. They're baptizing 50 a year, 50 a year, 50 a year. And the pastor's on the, he's on the speaking conference. I baptize 50 a year. And your Sunday school's not growing. Well, let's say you baptize 50 a year and your, your Sunday school grows by three or four a year. Where in the world are 47 people going a year? I'm asking. Baptism is important, but it has to be important for the right reasons. I heard a lady tell me one time about a, a pastor in town. The church where I was pastoring had 10. We had high attendance day and had 52. How about that? And we had church that day. And they were talking about a, a church of, of, a, of, a, of a, I don't remember what denomination, it doesn't matter what it was, but it was a church in town and they were baptizing a lot. And she came to me and said, that man would baptize a chicken. And I thought, well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, I don't know if I want to baptize a chicken, but I, the point was he'll baptize anybody. Well, I'll baptize anybody as long as they've repented of their face and placed their faith in Jesus Christ. If we come up out of the water and we never come back to church, is that conversion? If we come up out of the water and we're not involved in church, I mean, you know, you know the, the, the thing about being Baptist, because like I said, we are Baptists and we can mess anything up. Literally have done this before in a good way. Somebody said, Brother John, would you go check on this person that hadn't been to church in a long time? I didn't know they hadn't been here in a long time. So I go to check on them. And I began to ask them. They, they got uncomfortable. I'm like, you know, we got a small group. Love to be involved. Hey, you know. Christmas and Easter's gone by and I haven't seen you. Well, I've been baptized. So have I. I got the certificate in my filing cabinet. Do you want me to show you? You can. This is what he said. The pastor told me, and we'll get to this later on, perseverance of the saint. The pastor told me that if I repent of my sin and place my faith in Christ and I'll be baptized and I'm saved forever and I could never lose my salvation, then I'm baptized. That was it. He punched out at that point. He joined the church. He went through baptism. The pastor said, once saved, always saved. So I'm in there talking to him going, hey, how do you know you're a believer? I've been baptized. And the pastor told me, once saved, always saved. That's dangerous. Once really saved, you're really saved. A really saved person is alive and not dead anymore. A really saved person, not perfect, but in their heart, loves God and the things of God and is pursuing after God. Romans chapter 10, close with this verse. Romans 10, 8, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart... We believe in our heart. We confess with our mouth. He is Lord that God raised him from the dead. What does the word of God say? You will be saved. And if you really believe it and you have really said it and it is absolutely true in your heart and your motives are pure, the word of God says you will be saved. It's not difficult. 
For the heart one believes and is justified, that word justified is you are declared righteous. You are not guilty anymore. It is standing before the great judge and his holiness, and our sin can never compare to his holiness. And because of the blood of Jesus Christ and that profession of faith, the God of heaven declares us saved. And the world can never condemn us. That is remarkable if we think about it. For the scripture said, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Who are we? We believe in repentance and faith and professing that repentance and faith by baptism. Who are we? We are people that believe the gospel is the answer. Who are we? We are people that understand they need to hear it. Who are we? We are people that tell it. It's more than being Baptist. We're believers. We're disciples. Have you ever professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you ever repented of your sin and asked the Lord to just save you? You need to do that this morning. Maybe you're here today and you grew up in a different church background and you know that there's a point in a time that you have been saved. You know that you're saved. You may not remember the day or the hour. Or the you know, I, I told somebody one time, I don't remember the, the color of the shirt my pastor had on in his office when I was talking to him, but I know I'm saved. You know you're saved, but you've never been baptized by immersion. Maybe that is something the Lord is just stirring your heart about. It's not about legalism. It's not about doing things. It's just the Lord is just stirring your heart. And you say, you know what? I do want to be baptized after my profession of faith. And I do want to profess Christ to to the church. I'd love to talk with you about that. But the most important thing is hearing from the Lord and responding in faith and obedience. Who we are as the church. What we've done today is special. We've brought our our family up and we've prayed over our children. We have sung glorious hymns of the faith. We have literally given of our financial beings and we've dedicated that to the Lord. We've opened up the word of God and we've heard from God and and we, we get to respond. You can't do this anywhere else. You can only do this in the church. Who are we? We're the church.